You know, I have to say that now my 16-year-old daughter is listening to Ramstein. Really? Yes. Is she 16 now? Well, she will be in like a couple weeks. Okay. But uh, All because of John? Because John. Because I, I was reading that, and she's learning German right now. And she's like... So somebody else in my house. Yes, I know. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's like, wait, um, there's a band that's in German? I'm like, yes, actually, people outside the United States actually sing in their own language. Weird. Um, that is weird, right? I know, right? They should learn English. Well, um, well I mean... It's the, not that hard. The, the language of punk rock. The, the language of metal. Shoot, the, the language of modern music is English. Yeah. No. Have you ever heard Iranian rap music? Kichast. Yes. <laughs> yes, I have. No, not Kich. It's Hitch. Hishkast. Oh, man, I can't think of the guy's name. Yes. yes I, I've listened to it. Okay. I've right. listened okay. to Iranian rap. Yep, yes, I yep. have. No, anyways. So. I'll have to look it up and... Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll include yeah. that in here, and we'll have that be the intro music. Some <laughs> some Iranian rap. What podcast? Am I, um, so, uh, thank you, John, for introducing my daughter to Ramstein. Uh-huh. Uh huh. All right. I'd like to welcome you out to another episode of the Lodestone Training Consulting Podcast. I'm Jared Rost, and I'm joined with Chris. And we're pretty excited about today. Uh, it's kind of an impromptu being able to get together today. I left quote-unquote work early and, and got up here to the office and uh i was here buying a gun so yeah. you know knock things out yeah no big deal i mean we decided that we would talk about uh, concealed carry since i was buying a a small gun you know absolutely um and i mean we're always talking about that people always you know classes yes it, everywhere it, people are, are it's concerned. a topic whether we're in class or it's someone we run into friends family uh, shoot i was at the hobby store the other day and I'm buying paint, and the guy... Wait, the hobby store or the nerd store? It was the nerd store. Okay, that's okay. what I thought, let, yeah. Let, okay. Adventurers Guild in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. There's I a shout-out. I was there buying paint to paint miniatures. That is... <laughs> yes, you're going to you're gonna call my nerd them out? Hey, we all have to have some uh-huh. happy place. Okay, anyways. So, yes, I'm a nerd. You guys all know that by now. Um, the guy started asking me questions about guns, and I'm like... Wait, what? How do you? And I, you know, of course, I start answering, and then I realize, oh, I'm not being the gray man. I'm wearing a fifth group T-shirt. You know, I, <laughs> uh-huh. I wasn't planning on going anywhere. It was on the way home, and I needed, you know, some paint mm-hmm. for for your sand table, right? For for the small unit tactics class. It's important, uh-huh. right? You got to be able to visualize these things. Before we get going, let's go through the thirty, sixty, ninety. Okay, yeah. Uh, so March. Coming up on March 13th, we have the Camo on the X uh, seminar. This is a great one for everyone. You have the equipment. Uh, this is how to use it. It's how to talk on the radio, how to communicate well doing operations, well on a mission, how to be concise, and how to use brevity. It doesn't matter if you're using a Bofang or uh, a Motorola or your cell phone. You're using a communication device. This is the principles on how to use that device so that that's definitely a good one definitely check that one out again march 13th coming up in april beginning uh, april 3rd we have our citizen response to active killer 
as well as our uh, Home Defense uh, Series 1, and that will be April 3rd. Citizen Response, this one will be taught by Flynn. Uh, he has compiled all the information. He gets this question a lot. What am I supposed to do if there is an event? He's going to take you th through from the perspective of a law enforcement officer, uh, give you some good information. This is a great seminar. Again, you know, you, it's one for the family. It's not just for you. You have others around you that need this information. Bring them along. End of April, uh, April 30th, May 1st, we have our uh, Austere Environment Survival Course. I am extremely looking forward to this one. We get to go uh, camping with, uh, with a little bit more than camping because we'll be building shelters, learning how to build different forms of fire, start fires, wet fires, uh, food procurement, water procurement, how to fulfill our basic needs. This is a confidence-building course. This is something to bring your family to. Get them out there and you know let them know they can survive. Cool. And we've been asked uh, a couple of times, um, at least I have been, when we do the 30, 60, 90, is this all that you're doing? And, and no, we have so much stuff going on that when we do this and we, we throw out that, whether in our newsletter or here, these are just uh, some examples of, of upcoming classes and, and things that we have. Um, I know uh, some people who are thinking about attending the uh, the two-day, two-day, one-night um, steer environment class with you. Um, they've asked about our 72-hour class. Mm, um, yes. Yeah. And, and we put that up, I think, last week. So April 2nd. Um, in the evening here at LTAC headquarters, we'll be doing the 72-hour emergency kit seminar. So again, just some good information if you're curious about things you can bring or what to bring to those uh, the two days, one night, um, it's your environment. You know, there's a class for you. So uh, before we kick it off, one more thing I got to squeeze in there. I really enjoyed the book club. Yes, that was an awesome time. Hey, that was two hours. Oh, yeah, and that went by fast. It went by way fast. Um, and that was my wife's birthday. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I took her out the day before. So, you know, I, I prepared. Um, but, yeah, great discussions. Yeah. And a great group of people. Coming up on the 27th of February, we will be doing the second. And we are reading Kim by Rudger Kipling. That's the dude who wrote a Jungle Book. It's actually a book. It's not just the Disney movie. Um, <laughs> Go you know, figure. Yeah, I, I, I mean, hey, I have a black cat. I almost named Bakira. Okay, but <laughs> yeah, you know, you know um, we were talking earlier about that movie, Captain's Courageous. Yes, that's also a Kipling story. Is it really? Yeah, I didn't know that, but yeah, it fits in with all. all yes, this it stuff. does. Yeah. And if you haven't seen that, it's uh, 1935, 1937, black and white movie. Excellent, excellent movie. But not to distract, Kim is the book. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And you hear us talk about it all the time, mindset, uh, anti-abduction. We talk about the Kim's game. This is where it comes from. It's definitely an interesting book, good story, uh, real quick read. Uh, you know, it's a little bit bigger than Ricky Tiki Tavi, a little bit thinner than uh, Jungle Book, but it's definitely worth a read. Yeah, look forward to that. Yeah. So today we're going to be talking about uh, Conceal Carry. Um We'll start off with asking you a question, Chris. Why do you carry? So uh, I was asked this question once in Saudi Arabia. I had a, uh, a Saudi uh, military officer who was my counterpart, and 
every day we'd be out on the range and he looked at me one day and he said, Chris, why do you carry a gun? I don't carry a gun. I'm out here. I'm just in my uniform. What? We go into Riyadh and you carry a gun. Why do you carry a gun? Do you not feel safe in, in, in Riyadh? You know, Riyadh is one of the safest cities in, in the world. He lists all these statistics. And uh, I said, no, I carry a gun because I'm not a slave. Now, a little background there for you guys. Uh, in Saudi Arabia, slavery was legal until the 60s. Um, it was actually John F. Kennedy that said, you will not get any support from us anymore unless you abolish slavery. So there are people that live in uh, Saudi Arabia that the concept of slavery is still present. Like um, they were a slave or their father or mother was a slave. So it's a, it's a common, not, I'm not going to say it's a common thing. It's a, a more understandable statement than here. And so by carrying a gun, it's a representation that no one is going, you know, I'm a, I'm a free man. No one can tell me I can't do something. I am responsible for whatever my actions are, but this is, I am a free man. And then the other statement that I have about why I carry is I have a responsibility. The training that I've received, the knowledge that I have, I have the ability to protect myself and my, my family. And I have a, a duty to do that. I have a purpose in, in protecting. And so the firearm just happens to be the uh, most effective tool uh, for defending myself and, and my family. So that, that's why I, I choose that. Uh, you know, it's kind of like, well, I have a car, right? It's because it's the most effective means of transportation. Uh, I don't have a plane because I can't fly a plane, but I can drive a car. So you can drive a tank too. Can't I, you? I can drive a tank. That's right. And you know, I, I will say cost right now is the only thing that's prohibiting me from getting <laughs> one, but I am in the market. Uh, T 72 coming out of, uh, the former Eastern Bloc. They're right around, I don't know. What was it? A little over a hundred K. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the shipping is a little issue, but, uh, you know, I'm still looking into it. Right on. Yeah. Well, I carry, uh, for protection. You know, that's, I think that's the main reason why most people choose to carry um, for protection. Uh, I also carry similar to, to what you're saying because it's, uh, I'm a free man and uh, it can be a symbol of that, that freedom. But that symbol is wasted. It's, it's worthless if, uh, if I just treat that firearm as a, some kind of fashion accessory. If I don't exercise. It's not a tiara? <laughs> no, it's not. Unless I am responsible and, uh, and work and train and have the skills and the mindset to be able to utilize that to protect myself or protect, you know, those that I love. Um, if, if I don't exercise that responsibility, if I don't work at that, then, you know, it's, it's, it's not a symbol. It's, it's just a sham. It's, it's a fashion accessory. Well, when you say that, you know, you have authority with it, you have the ability to use it. Mm -hmm. You, you're not just putting it on, you know, it's like you can wear a tiara. It doesn't mean that you're a princess, mm -hmm. you know, unless you have the authority and the backing that you're a princess. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you do have that. You do have the training. You do have the ability. And you have the right to have that. Yeah, it's 
it's you know fundamental to the foundation of this nation that was put down in the words in the Declaration as well as the Constitution and in our Bill of Rights. It's that inherent right, that natural right, or that uh, inalienable right that no group of men can, you know, they can vote all they want or, or group of people, um, but they don't have the moral nor the legal authority to prohibit us from being able to be responsible and protect ourselves and and to protect those that we love. I like to change the, the perspective away from the firearm is a symbol. And mm-hmm. it, it, people are afraid of violence, and so they'll focus on the symbol of what they see as violence. So I'm going to take it this way. Um, we've heard the analogy of, you know, just because you have a fire fire department doesn't mean you need a fire. You don't need a fire extinguisher, right? Um, it's the same thing. You have a duty to protect your family, whether it is the house is caught on fire. And, oh, well, I have a fire department, so I'm just going to run out of the house and let mm-hmm. the fire department come rescue my family. Or, no, I'm going to wake my children up. Um, a few years ago, there was a, uh, a special forces warrant officer that died trying to rescue his family. His family survived, but he did not. He went back into the house again and again to ensure that all of his family survived. He did the right thing. He didn't say, oh, the fire department's on their way. Oh, yeah. they're only 10 minutes away or they're only a minute away. It doesn't matter. He understood what his, his duty was. We have... Uh, we, we had a fire extinguisher when we got into our new home, and we found it inadequate. So <laughs> we, we currently have five. It, it strategically placed locations around the house just just because. Do you have one in the cereal box? But you have no. one in the kitchen, right? Yes, there's yeah, one in the kitchen, yeah, okay. yeah, but, but not in the cereal box. Though there might be something else in the cereal box. All right, so Chris, when did you first start caring? I am a lot of things. I am new. I consider myself really rather new. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not, when I turned 21, I didn't carry a gun. I lived in Utah. I wasn't in the Army. Um, you know, I didn't come from a martial home. You know, these principles weren't taught. Uh, I I was one of the foolish people that didn't realize that I had a responsibility for my own self. Uh, so I didn't really start carrying outside of work purposes until I was already an SF guy. I didn't, it took me time to realize mm-hmm. that I had that responsibility. I knew I had the rights to, to go out and buy firearms and, and things like that. I had, I had firearms at the house and they were, and I use the, the, the term toy, not tools. They were things that I went and played with. I went to the range and I had fun. I didn't view them in the same aspect. And then it was on one of my trips where I was uh, working low visibility, you know, not in a military uniform, not carrying it M4, not wearing body armor. And I was walking around carrying a Glock 26. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, I'm carrying this to protect myself here. And this place is a lot safer than the place that I live. (laughs) Man, what am I doing? And then, so I made the the conscious decision, well, maybe I should start considering doing this. And I was training a lot. You know, my responsibility was that Glock 26. That was how I was going to save my life. So I had the training, realized that I had the skills, 
And I was, I am failing as a father. I'm failing my family. When I go out in public and if something happens, if we're sitting in the middle of the food court and a guy starts shooting in the middle of that food court, what am I supposed to do? Mother hen and, and you know, stand over my children? When I have all this knowledge, when I know that I have the speed and the accuracy to engage that individual with a Glock 26 that mm-hmm. I, I carry for duty. And when I went home from that trip, that was when I bought um, my first concealed carry pistol. That, you that, mean that, the pistol that I got you wasn't your first concealed carry? No, no, it was not. No. You didn't carry that no, CZ-52? I did 52? not carry the CZ-52. <laughs> uh, that is still classified as a toy. My first uh, concealed carry, which I just recently, about a year ago, gave up and... and moved on to something else. Moved on to yeah. something else, uh, was a M&P Shield 45. Okay. So I started carrying, my gosh, almost as soon as I turned 21... As I turned 21, I was working in a couple different places in, in Lancaster County, and I uh, applied. And at the time, it wasn't instantaneous. I think I had to wait like a couple weeks for it to, to show up in, in the mail. And it was just a, that the permit itself was just a little piece of paper. Um, anyway, so I got that, and my first pistol that I carried was that I've mentioned it once or twice before in the podcast was that Taurus PT. Oh, 101. So a 40 cal Taurus. Yeah, that's one of the joys of, of coming to the game late is uh, you get a get good equipment because all the wrinkles have been yeah, ironed out. Yeah, right? Yeah, so I uh, that's when I first started, and I worked. Worked at a convenience store, worked at a couple other places, and, uh, you know, I, I carried all the time. Didn't have a clue um, what to do or, or how to do or really how to work a draw. All I knew was that... Uh, as a teenager, I had a couple of guns pulled on me, so boy, I'm, I was going to have my own gat now that it was legal, and uh, I'm just so thankful that I, I never employed it. I, the closest I think I came to employing the thing, well, I guess there's two times, but the one time, um, my kid brother and uh, his friend were, were skateboarding, and they are waiting for me to come pick them up in a car, and they were by a bowling alley, uh, and anyways, uh, I guess some guys drove by in a car, and they had a gun in the car, and they started flashing it at my my little brother and his friend and threatening them and then they, they drove off and then I pulled up to pick them up five ten minutes later and it would have been you know who knows I'm just what would have happened seeing someone pointing a gun at my, my brother I probably would have pulled it out and you know I didn't know what I was doing so it probably been worse off for me than anything so um, thankful nothing happened <laughs> but yeah I, I didn't even have a holster I was just you know tucking it in the pants and stuff it was just lucky nothing bad happened. <laughs> so at the beginning of all this, uh, you know, 2020 Corona, people realize, hey, I have a duty to mm-hmm. responsibly protect my family. I had a, a good man that I went to church with um, who's like, Chris, I, I think I need to buy a gun. And I was like, yes, absolutely. You know, hey, it's this is about a year ago, so we could just walk over to the store. And uh, so I told, you know, he asked me a couple questions. I said, like, look, striker fire pistol, you know, Glock 19, M&P, um, you know, 2.0. Avoid the XDs. Sorry, Dan. Um, you know. <laughs> um, anyway, so he goes out and he buys this $1,200, like, uh, SIG Legion. I, I don't even know. You know, SIG has so many different yeah. variants. But he went out and bought a nice pistol. And I'm like, what? The, 
okay. You know, I mean, go big or go home. Like, hey, I'm going to buy once, cry once. I totally get it. And then he was so proud to show me the the holster that he made for himself out of cardboard and duct tape. (laughs) That's awesome. And I'm I'm just looking at this guy like, you spent $1,200 on a pistol. You couldn't spend 50 bucks on some Kydex, you know? And so we had another conversation about, uh, okay, you know, yes, you made the right decision. You know, you got a good pistol, good, reliable pistol. But, yeah. <laughs> but it's not just the pistol. That's right. Absolutely right. Yeah, there's there's a lot more to that. Well, let's just... Yeah, let's jump into holsters. <laughs> well, before holsters, okay, let's okay. segue into yeah. what what are some good attributes to a, to a carry pistol? What are you looking for? Okay. All right. Um, my first experience, like I said, where I was carrying every day with the thought that I have potential of drawing and getting into a gunfight when I leave the, the house, mm-hmm. uh, I would say I was definitely more thinking I was getting a gunfight than I do any day here. Um, I was carrying a Glock 26, and I hated it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely hated it. Um, it was too stubby. You know, the, the grip was, was very hard. Um, it was a fight to do anything really good with that pistol. So when I came home from that trip and I was going to buy my, my pistol, I, again, I'm thinking, okay, I want something that is um, compact. I'm not a small guy, so I don't require a, a, a little tiny, tiny pistol. I can conceal something big on my body. Uh, but I don't want to carry a full-size 1911. I have that. Yeah. It's, it's not comfortable. And, you know, um, so I started looking at the different uh, subcompacts that were out there. And, of course, you know, I went down the, well, maybe I should look at a, like a, a 380, like a pocket pistol. And that lasted about five minutes before I realized, no, I'm, I'm still a man. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have a 45 because... At this time, I was still, you know, nine mils too wimpy, and I need that stopping power, that forty-five. It's a new thing that I got into carrying, but it's not that new that, you know, the really good nine mil ammo wasn't really prevalent at the time. Okay. Um, so forty-five was still the good option. Um, so I went with the shield because it was short. Um, it was a single stack, so it was slim. It fit well in my pants. Um, it fit well in, you know, not just, uh, you know, jeans and a t-shirt or a button up, but I could conceal it when I was in a, you know, slacks and a, a dress shirt. Um, so I was, I was really looking heavily towards that concealability mm-hmm. now, because like I said, I've upgraded in the last year, I have gone to a Glock 19, um, with an RMR on it. And one of the reasons that I went to the larger handgun was ammo capacity, you know, now I'm carrying in the gun what I was carrying in, you know, the gun and a sidecar magazine. Uh, so now I have, you know, now I'm carrying two magazines, but I have twice the ammunition, um, which is good because now I'm shooting nine mil and I, it takes more ammunition to put one down, you know, 45 <laughs> to have to. No, uh-huh. but, you know, it's, I, uh, I like the ability that I have with that. Um, going with the, the compact, not the subcompact. It gives me that longer frame, more barrel length, more accuracy. Going with the double stack, again, I'm a bigger guy, so it's not a not a problem for me. It doesn't print very bad. And uh, 
I discovered very quickly the few times that I was printing with that subcompact, uh, and someone would comment on it. Oh, it's just it, you just embarrass someone. Oh, is that a gun in your pants? No, it's my colostomy bag. Thank you. I'm really <laughs> sensitive about it. You, you want to see it? Yeah, way to bring that up. You know, uh-huh. like you just you make them feel like the jerk, and you know the conversation. They 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 stop looking at it. You know that reminds me. Uh, so yeah, I've carried my entire life. Well, since I was 21, right? So when I didn't know anything, and then I eventually yeah. educated myself and got some real training, and now I, you know, I think I know what I'm doing. Um, but my my kids, they've known that, that I've trained. So uh, um, my oldest, I mean, he must have been young. I don't know, like seven, eight years old, because we were still there in Clarksville, and we were at the store, and he went and he uh, went to sucker punch me in the gut. But he didn't get the gut. He he hit the, the gun. So you hear this tink as his fist hits it. And then he's shaking his hand. And then all of a sudden he's like in his little mind, he like realizes, wait a minute. Other people might know what that was. And, and dad's carrying concealed it. No one should know. And he's like, ow, I punched your belt buckle, dad. <laughs> and it hurt my hand. <laughs> Just that convincing too. <laughs> uh, so um, some things I look for in a pistol. And I've carried like it started that that huge that Taurus, which is just like a Beretta M9, you know, nice and big. Um, so I've carried large, you know, medium frame because that's I guess it's still considered a medium frame pistol um, for forever. And my take on it now that I've been doing this for quite some time, both for real uh, and like overseas stuff as well as you carrying here, I think that, and I would advocate for people to carry the largest pistol that they're actually going to carry. If you got some Desert Eagle 50 cal, some huge thing, and that's your gun, but you never carry it because it's so big, then it, it's things worthless. Um, I've seen too many people think, oh, I'm going to conceal carry, so they get some tiny, like your experience yeah. with the 26, yep. and it's just way too small. I remember a, a couple years back, we were doing a our level two pistol class. So the first day was um, shooting moving. The second day was an introduction to barricades, and we had a couple. Each of them had uh, a Glock 26. And they shot somewhere between 850, but no more than 1,000 rounds uh, between those two days in that class. And uh, at the end of the class with those 26s, their hands were destroyed because of that smaller frame, less mass. The recoil is much more violent. Yeah, trying to manage it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, their hands were just destroyed. So I like a good you know, medium size or a compact pistol like a Glock 19 or a, a Smith & Wesson MMP 9. Um, those are really where, where I want to start. But then I like also uh, modifying or, or doing you know, different things to, to my pistol. I know the the Glock 19 that I carry a lot. I've you've seen it. I've taken a buck knife to part of it and like whittled stuff out. We've uh, <laughs> um, dremeled some other par- parts out to make it fit my hand better. I've um, had some stuff where first we um, stippled and then I actually uh, had. Uh, the epoxy and the uh, sandpaper, not sandpaper, but but sand, the grit, big, grit yeah, 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 actually put on there on, on it itself. Um, really, so it's nice and compact. I can carry the thing, but at the same time, it's it, it fits my hand well. Um, I actually like, I think I like the MMP a little bit better, and that would be my primary carry. But so many of our students are running Glocks, and the reason why I wanted the Glock one, mm-hmm. so many people are, you know, the law enforcement that we're training. Um, it was putting, I wanted the RMR. Yeah. And it was a lot harder to put the RMR on the uh, MMP. It was a lot easier to put it on the Glock 19. I had it. 
um, went ahead and said, yeah, let's, let's do this. And if you train with something, it may not necessarily be your favorite, but if you're working at it, it will, you'll become good with it. And now it's gotten to the point a year later that, yeah, this is my everyday carry. I'm very comfortable with this gun. Yeah. This is the gun that if I find myself, I, I like to give the, uh, okay, corral, um, you know, he's at one end, you're at the other end, um, the frozen food section at Walmart, you know, that long hallway, right? Uh, if you think you can make that shot with that little 380, that pocket pistol, uh, yeah, you know, I have all the confidence in the world that I can do that with this Glock 19. That's one of the reasons why that is is my carry piece. So, like I was saying, I like that that medium size. Um, for me, I, I can carry it. Um, I, I can carry it without printing or without showing because, again, I'm, I'm also kind of a big guy. Um, if if you're smaller, you know, than us, and, and you need something, again, small, I, I guess that that's okay. But really, well, so so on ahead. that. Uh, my 16 year old daughter, she's 110 pounds and five, five, maybe uh-huh. five, six. And, uh, we were getting ready to bring Christmas cookies over to your place. Okay. And for training purposes, I have an airsoft Glock 19 and we had just been working on concealed draw with the girls. And Gwen says, if I'm going over the Rosses, I should be armed. <laughs> and, okay. All right. Very wise. And so, um, she gets dressed and takes one of my holsters and holsters up and mm-hmm. she's got the airsoft pistol on and you know we're going to your house and, and back and um she runs nope this isn't gonna work and goes and changes her outfit and yes. so she went and you know she didn't change very much but she put a different shirt on and she's like hey look i am concealing this pistol just as well as you would, Dad. And I was like, you're concealing it better. <laughs> you yeah. know, I mean, she really was. And a lot of it had to do with, you know, her choice in clothing. Now, my, my daughter doesn't wear revealing clothes. She's a very modest girl anyways. So it, it, she didn't have to make, like, crazy adjustments or anything like that. Often people that are giving excuses of, well, I can't carry that gun because it, it shows too much. Okay, you've made the decision that you're going to be a responsible Law by, you know, sorry, you're going to be a responsible person and take care of yourself and others. You have to make a few sacrifices with that. Yeah, I completely agree. And again, so that's why I, I like and I stick with that, that, that medium mm. frame pistol. You hear the guy like, well, you know, I've got the, uh, the 380 for when I'm in board shorts. And you're like, nah. you shouldn't go out in board shorts. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Some of the other things that that I look for is is I want that that double stack mag, yeah. So that's why I've I've carried a 1911 in the past, gone away with that just so I can have that that double stack. Um, another thing that that I'm definitely looking for is uh, is the ability to put a flashlight on it. I was gonna say that that is so huge, and we talk about it a lot in our low light classes you got to be able to identify the target. Yep. And whether you're doing the, you know, FBI hold or flashlight off to the side, it's so much easier when you can just slap that flashlight on that pistol. Absolutely. It makes your life so much easier. Well, and along with that, I know a very popular, uh, you know, add-on is, is tritium sights or night sights. Yeah. And, man, really, 
those things are they're a gimmick. Uh, maybe, maybe if you have just like the front sight post or the front, uh, you know, front dot, maybe. But when you employ a flashlight, everything just goes black. Those sights just go black. And then if you you do just have night sights, you don't have a flashlight, how can you positively identify that target? Maybe if that target or that threat is shooting at you, okay. But uh, that aside, yeah, you, you need a flashlight. Um, and I'm not at all concerned with, with having night sights uh, on that pistol. And that's one of my problems with the subcompact is it's too small to, mm-hmm. to mount that flashlight. Yeah. Uh, and I, I agree with you on having the double stack magazine. I really like having the, yeah, the, I like that. the ammunition. We've been in gunfights. We understand that, you know, I, I love the person's like, oh, I only need three magazines. Oh, that's cool. I'm a really good shot. I'm still taking 13. Yeah. You know, because you never know. There's going, you're going to. Well, well, funny, I, I, we'll talk about uh, um, mag pouches later. Yeah. But when I carried that 1911, which, you know, was it was years ago, I had a, um, I had a Leatherman uh, case. Didn't carry the Leatherman, but I used that as a mag pouch. So the the uh, 1911 mag just kind of you know blended no, right yeah. in. Yeah, no no one had a clue. But a uh, a single stack magazine. My limitation, my what I see as the limitation is the round count. Yeah, yeah. Um, where I'm o- I'm okay with sacrificing the round counts because I'm gonna have an extra mag with me. What I'm not okay with those subcompacts is not having that rail for the light, not being able to mount that light on there. I, I just. If we could fix that problem, I might might consider it. Um, well, no, I wouldn't because let's be honest. I, I I carry the biggest pistol I can carry. Yeah. And one of the reasons is also for the accuracy. You know, and I, I don't care who you are. Three inches, four and a half, four and a half is going to be three inches. <laughs> it's just simple math, okay? Uh-huh. It's it's the maths. Um, is that that bullet actually getting a full rotation in the barrel? So some other things with the, the pistol that I, I carry now, the primarily the, the Glock 19, I did get a Grey Ghost Precision, Grey Ghost Gear, whatever. Um, I got one of their uh, Glock 19 slides. So and it was cut to take a, an RMR. So that was, uh, I know that seemed to be the way of the future. So I got the RMR on there, and I was really concerned. My my biggest concern was okay, I'm carrying concealed. I'm nice and warm. It's the middle of the winter. You know, it's below freezing. And I was afraid if I was to, to draw what that temperature variation would would be, what would happen? Would it fog up? Would it be able to see the dot or not? And so I, I tested it out for a good Pennsylvania winter. And we had some a lot of cold temperatures and also a lot of snow that winter. And, man, I think we're great. I have no complaints. So that really is the one that I'm carrying. And that's definitely the way of the future. I think now group, everyone's yeah, carrying it, it, the RMRs. The, the RMR, the red dot, the advantages that you're getting definitely make it worth it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, neither one of us are Glock fanboys. I know there are a lot of Glock fanboys out there. A lot of people that, as they're hearing us say Glock 19, they're like, yes, yes, yes. Uh-huh. Uh, it's not my chosen pistol, you know. But, hey, I'll drive a Toyota Corolla because it, <laughs> it gets me to the grocery store. Absolutely. You know, and that's what this is. This is something that is reliable and dependable. It's not the fastest, coolest, greatest thing in the world. But it gets the job done. Yeah. And a lot of the problem that I see, like like that individual who went out and, and spent the $1,200 on the, the SIG, SIG Legion series, well, I spent a lot of money on it. It should be good. 500 well, I don't know. They probably cost $700 right now. Glock 19 is a good, reliable pistol. Yeah. 
Put yeah, that that's... money into you know the accessories, getting a good holster, getting a good light, getting trained. Well, and that's for those of you who have seen us at or seen me at class and seen that Glock 19 that I'm, I'm talking about. Um, it, it's man, the thing is has been abused. I I wasn't <laughs> joking. I have literally taken a buck knife to that thing and started carving out parts of of the polymer. It, it's it's ugly. I've, I've abused the thing you to may, make it better for myself. May or may not have left it outdoors. A extended amount of period of time, just just to see, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. So it's not that uh, you know spending a lot of money on it, though. Though I have like with that the uh, with that slide, and plus with the RMR, but it's it's RMR costs more than a pistol. Yeah, totally worth it. Yeah, totally worth it. So other things that uh, that we haven't mentioned so far. What am I looking for in a pistol? Is something that's reliable. Um, the Glocks are reliable, MMPs are reliable, yep. and there's other firearms the, out there that, that the, are reliable. The Sig, uh, you know, Sig makes a great product. I, the two things I don't like about Sig is uh, magazines and uh, the price. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I have a Glock 19. I'm running Glock 17 magazines right now because they're bigger. You yeah. know, why not? Right? Because I can't. Sig, you can't really do that. Uh, you know. <laughs> And, and there's some other pistols that uh, that haven't lasted. I think XDs are are a good example. We see XDs not all the time, and some of them seem to work great. But but we see them a lot more than a lot of other pistols just uh, completely disintegrate in classes. I and I, I I don't mean to pick on anyone out there, and I know someone's feeling picked on right now. Sorry, uh, but it's like that guy who's like, yeah yeah yeah. See see you know I I told you. My three-wheel tricycle will keep up with all these sports bikes. You know, it didn't break down. I ma- it made it to the end of the, the race, and you're like, yes. Yes, it did. But the 10 others didn't, <laughs> you know, just because yours did. Um, where, yeah, when I've seen other things take that abuse. And uh, like I said, it's a Toyota Corolla. I've got to rely on this thing. And I have to rely on it with... Um, Good maintenance, but not expert maintenance. I have a 1911 that is a Ferrari. It gets put on the tra- uh, on the, the the tractor. It gets driven out to the the range. It gets backed off the tractor, you know. And we oil it down. I have the whole pit crew out there that you know make sure that everything's working and it's timed all right. And and man, it's a tack driver. That thing is oh, it's it's beautiful. But I'm not going to go to Walmart with that thing because yeah. I don't got the pit crew. <laughs> you know, uh, it's great for range day. It's a track day car. It's not a uh, an everyday driver. Yeah. And when we're talking about carry pistol, that is is one thing. The other thing I'm going to say about your carry pistol is it's your carry pistol. It's not your carry pistols. Uh, the concept of having more than one. When I switched, I did a whole month of training before I would carry the Glock 19 when I switched from the the shield um, so that I was confident and I had set standards for myself. And I haven't gone back. I haven't said, well, you know, today it's a a little warmer, so I'm going to go ahead and carry that uh, that shield. No, this is my carry pistol. There is no wheel gun Wednesday and, and Taurus Tuesday and... You know, no, no tourist Tuesday. No tourist Tuesday. Those things don't exist. You pick one and you train with it. Everything else is a toy. This is your tool. 
I guess the one area with that that I might slightly disagree with, not slightly, but that, and that comes with, with training. Um, and we'll talk about that later. We'll get, get onto training a little bit later. Um, but anyways. Are you going to call me out for wearing a fancy gun when I put a suit on? Because, yes, I, no, I, no. I have done that. I will admit, you know, no, I can I, be vain. I, I understand you that. Know. No. Well, screw it. We'll just talk right now. <laughs> so um, my concern w- w- with that is when you have new shooters and, like, say a person, they want to carry a Glock 19, great. But they also have a Glock 17 or something bigger or or whatever the case may be. Um, I would prefer them when they come to the level one classes that they take that that larger frame handgun and learn how to shoot oh, with that. Yeah, you know. Then, then after they learn to shoot, hundred percent. I I completely. What I'm what I'm talking about is when you leave the house, you take the same yeah, gun. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. You know, when when you go to Walmart, when you go to Home Depot, you're taking your daily driver. You don't take. Well, you know. Hey, it's it's Friday. What feels shiny, you know? Yeah. Um, because you want to have that comfortability with it, and you want to train with it. I do dry fire drills before I leave the house. I want to be fresh. Absolutely. You know, I will say that I'm really, really happy about the um, the stuff Abby's doing right now. I, I'm the fact that we have a program uh, that. Women can come out and learn about the different uh, weapon systems. Uh, they can then go to the range and try a bunch of different guns out. I think that is awesome. So if you don't carry, and I'm, again, I'm guilty of making assumptions all the time. I'm assuming everyone listening to this podcast is, you know, driving right now going, oh, I have a gun right now. Uh, but we have people in our lives that don't. Um, you got to try it on. It's like a pair of shoes. You got to find out what is your daily driver and mm-hmm. what is right for you. And because Jared and I are running Glock 19s, that doesn't mean you should. Um, I know a guy that runs a, a Glock 34, and he is the skinniest little guy. I mean, I, I look at him like, where are you putting that? But he he's paid a lot of attention to the way he dresses and you know his pattern choices and things like that. And he wears it slightly uncomfortable, but he makes it work uh, because. That is a gun that he spends the most amount of time with. Can't fault him. It's right for him. So where where do you carry? What part of your body do you carry? Or let me rephrase that. Where have you carried? Okay. And where have you settled? Um, I started, like most Americans, uh, at the three o'clock position. Okay. And I started there because shoot, I've been drawing from my side. All my life, you know, active military career, you know, of course, early SF days, we started with the low um, thigh rig and it slowly worked its way up onto my hips. So that just made a lot of sense. Um, I have ended up carrying in the uh, the appendix. Okay. And I can go into details on why. <laughs> well, for me, um, one, when I started not knowing what the heck I was doing. Uh, I think I saw a couple movies with people carrying in the small of their back. So I tried that for a little while. Didn't do it very long because, again, I, I had no clue and I was just stupid. So I didn't have a holster, just kind of, you know, <laughs> letting uh, my my waist in, in, in a tight belt to try to keep it in, in place. And then I eventually morphed into, uh, into carrying appendix. Um, but then after I, I got a clue and started using a holster, 
I've carried appendix um, occasionally, depending on the situation, small on my back. I've even have a, a shoulder rig that I've used very infrequently, but but I have done that um, if I'm wearing a suit or something. But primarily, I'm carrying appendix, and I'm carrying appendix because I can glance down and make sure I'm not printing. It's also very similar to my my draw when I'm wearing a, an outside the belt holster, you know, for work or whatever. Wearing wearing a duty holster. It's just seems to be the most convenient. I can sit down in a car and I can drive and I don't have to adjust anything. Um, it just seems the most versatile for, for everything that yeah, I'm seat doing. Seatbelt doesn't get in the way. Yeah. yeah. So the change was made for me. Yeah. Um, because I had all the arguments of, well, you know, it's uncomfortable and I don't want to shoot myself. Well, name me the place on your body you're willing to shoot yourself. <laughs> You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, go ahead and list them like top 10 places. You're, you know, uh, my toe, you know, I'm sorry. I don't want to, I'm going to be responsible and not shoot any of my body. Um, I was in England and we were training with SAS guys that had done all of that had cut their teeth in Northern Ireland. So these are the guys that their experiences were getting rolled up by the IRA they had Browning high powers and guys getting killed because they were trying to draw from the small of their back or from the three o'clock mm-hmm. and getting their hand or their arm chicken winged and pulled away from them. They couldn't get to that gun. So they started carrying appendix. They learned this lesson in blood. Mm-hmm. And so they're telling us this story. And it, I hate to say it. I was a typical American. Like, well, yeah, but I'm stronger than you. Oh, I can do that. You know? And so we, we do a situation. We're doing a training rep. We've got airsoft pistols. And they say draw, and three guys rush me, and one guy chicken wings me, and the other two guys start putting boots to me. And I realize, hmm, okay, maybe I'm going to humble myself, and I'm going to listen to my instructors, not do things my way, and, you know, get new tools in the toolkit. Yeah. So I adjust the holster. Round two goes. And uh, all I have to do is get one shot off. That's the rule, and they stop putting the boots to me. They start putting the boots to me. I curl up, getting boots, you know, protecting my head, get my hand down there, get that draw out, and just angle my body enough that I clear my body, and I pop one little pellet off. Boots stop getting put to me. Lightning moment. Yep. All right. I've realized. Changed my life. I've carried that way ever since. Yep. That, that's awesome story. Thanks, thanks for sharing that. <laughs> hey, you know, <laughs> sometimes, you know, I can be pig-headed and be like, no, I know, I know the right way to do this. And I've been doing this, you know, for, I've shot people, you know. Okay, yeah. So had they. And they had a good perspective. And again, sometimes we stand on shoulders of giants and sometimes we stand in puddles of blood because other people have learned those lessons for us. Absolutely. So I've, yeah, I've really just carry appendix. That just seems, from my experience, like you said, that, that seems to be, be about the best way. And uh, I know in, in our classes when we get into the draw and as a four-count uh, movement, um, with it being there in the appendix, I can keep that gun just as you were talking about. Yep. Keep it close to me. I can, I can protect it instead of, uh, instead of anything else. Cool. So next question then is, uh, so now we, well, we've, some things we like about the guns, you know, the reasons why we carry what we carry, where do we carry, the next is is training. Uh, so, what kind of training have have you done specifically? A lot of my my training, all military background, um, done some stuff playing close. So, some different some different organizations, okay, different perspectives. Uh, we'll say that um, that I had the fortune of working with. 
Uh, one of the big takeaways, like the story I just said, working with those guys from England, that was a huge takeaway. Uh, then working with um, these other individuals, realizing that if you pulled your gun and you had to defend yourself, that you have failed your mission and that what you have done is most likely going to be broadcast on the news. Yeah. And yeah. it's most definitely going to be briefed in front of Congress. The president's going to be briefed, you know, and like that really hitting home. Um, that was some of the most important like mindset training that I've had about just because I have a firearm doesn't mean that that is the answer to the situation. I, I would love to share a story, I, right? Right. I, I, but it was, yeah, it, it wasn't <laughs> in this country. Um, and, and yeah, it got into a really hairy situation where, uh, things were very real and I was very, uh, uh, not in uniform doing something and, uh, realizing, oh man, at any moment we could be going down this alley and, uh, there could be individuals with Kalashnikovs and, uh, I was the only one who was equipped. Uh, yes. Yeah. Who was equipped. And, and, and you, you have the knowledge. You're like, I have the ability. I have the tools. Uh -huh. I know I can do this. It doesn't mean that it's necessarily going to be a good outcome. Yeah, exactly. It could be a very bad outcome. Uh, anyways, I, I, I won't go into any more detail with that because yeah, legalities and things, <laughs> but, uh. Yeah, very interesting. I, I, <laughs> You've told me that told story. story. Yeah. Hey, I'm sorry for everyone out there. There are things that Jared and I get to share with each other that it's it's great, and we get to look and smile. Uh -huh. And, hey, in 50 years, my daughter can write a book, hopefully. There you go. You know? Exactly. Um, the, the funny thing was I was with two other guys, two other guys, who were trained in this specific thing a little bit more than me, but I was the one that caught on first. Mm -hmm. I'm like, do you guys see what? Yeah. And they're like, what? <laughs> oh, I'm a dumb American. <laughs> oh, that's horrible. So uh, the ladies walked in. Um, those of you who don't know, I've talked about her a lot, but you actually get to hear the voice of my wonderful wife, Pamela. Hi. And joining us also is Abby. Ab and uh, yeah, we're going to ask them some of the same questions. Let them join this conversation. So, uh, Pam, yes. you're still trying to figure out where you want to carry. Yes. Pam has recently moved up here to Pennsylvania, and so she is in the process of getting her driver's license so she can get her oh, carry permit. Oh, she's going to drive soon? Yes, yes. I'm actually going to let Good. my wife drive. Good. Um, Good. You have 60 days from the time that you move into Pennsylvania before you have to have your license, uh -huh. which means next week, I think. Um, <laughs> oh, boy. Just saying. Uh, so... You have this wonderful debate with yourself all the time about where do I carry my pistol? I do, because it's uncomfortably being a woman as is. So where am I going to stick extra weight? Hmm. <laughs> so Abby is the expert on this one. I know where I think I want to carry, but it doesn't exist. So Abby and I are working on this. <laughs> So we already answered the question. So where have you and, and what's your preferred way to carry? Um, I have for a long time carried in a purse or a bag. Um, and then recently switched to, I wanted to carry on like, you know, kind of vaguely on the belt. Um, but felt like that was the largest part of my body is like around my hips and stuff. 
Um, and it didn't make sense for me to put it there where it would stick out more than anywhere else. So I ended up... I, I have to admit, as a, as a man who I've carried now for most of my life and mostly carrying appendix, I know I kept suggesting, nicely suggesting mm-hmm. and encouraging you, you really should carry on your body. You should really carry on your body. And honestly, being a stupid man, I'm like, why doesn't she just carry appendix <laughs> like me? Why does she just carry in her hip? That's what, and, But I, I couldn't tell you to do that because obviously uh, that's not the right thing to do. There are reasons. But it didn't dawn on me till yeah. Yes. So there was an experience that we had in another class where uh, I was the only woman there. I don't even know if it was a class or we just had a bunch of people we were training. It must have been a class you were teaching. Okay. And uh, I had like a duty type holster on and so it's like on the side right that you know like three o'clock mm-hmm. and you're like why do you keep moving your your gun over to the front <laughs> i'm like can i show you something see how your shoulders are this big and your waist is like this big see how my shoulders are like this big and my hips are like this big i can't swing my arms without hitting the gun <laughs> unless i move it out of the way <laughs> so there are some different considerations with different oh, body types. Okay, I guess so. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, so what have you done now? So I ended up getting a like a belly band type thing that I wear kind of at the at my natural waist, not where I wear my belt cuz who wears their belt at their natural waist, right? Yeah. <laughs> As a man, I'm sitting here like, well, I wear mine at my waist. I know. Is there, uh, is no, there another it's, way? It, it, no, is you it, don't. Well, I, evidently, I don't understand the human body. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I yes. think most women don't wear it at their natural waist. Most women wear their belts down a little further on their hips, I would say. And I've seen amazing products depending on how you dress as well, like the the thigh holster if you're in a skirt that's fabulous but who wears a skirt every day unless that is part of your profession yeah so you may not as a female carry the same way every day now as a uh, bit of humor i bought on clearance at the px one day the flashbang holster <laughs> did you really i did <laughs> but, oh, i need that you need to bring give me a Give me well, that. It, Pam has it somewhere. Okay, you know. so yeah. I can take it yeah. to that art, yeah. the concealed carry and, class for and women. And the, yes. uh, you know, the concept of this is it attaches to the brazier, and you know, the holster is this way. And I thought, well, you know, I'll buy this as a joke. It was like nine dollars, you know. Um, and then Pam, as a joke, she puts it on. And she's like, "There's no way." <laughs> <laughs> so no. W- once I left active duty, so almost you know, going getting close to ten years now. So when I left active duty. And start doing all kinds of research and everything. I, I probably even prior to to instruct. Someone said, "Hey, for for women, you gotta try this flashbang." So I watched the prop, propaganda video three times, and I was so institutionalized. I'm like, I don't get it. Why are they calling it a flashbang? Well, where's the grenade? Well, what, who's and, and then finally the third time, like, oh, lifting the shirt and you're flashing. Okay, that's that's where you're flashing. Then you're pulling the gun to bang. Okay, got it. Yeah. But it took me a while. Did that holster work at any way, shape, or form? Not for me. <laughs> but, you know, other women that are more well-endowed, maybe. But some of us who are not well-endowed, it's just printing. It's like, hello, gun. I, you know? <laughs> There's random things sticking out right under my boobs. Yeah, it's, yeah, people would stare at you and be like, huh, oh, 
you know, you're obviously at, carrying. At which point <laughs> you utilize my colostomy bag and you say, are you looking at my chest? You embarrass the person and they stop looking. <laughs> I had a friend in high school who was very well endowed and we had a very shy male teacher that he always looked down. But one day she said to him, um, eyes up here. And that poor teacher ran out of the room. It was, it was great. <laughs> so I guess I could use that line. Hey, eyes up here and see who gets embarrassed first. <laughs> cool. Well, we were talking, I think, before they came in about, about training. Yes. So uh, some of the stuff that I've done, well, as I've said, I don't know how many times in this podcast, I didn't know what the heck I was doing when I, uh, when I first started carrying as a kid. Um, no idea. I, uh, practiced drawing and getting it out, but I didn't even know what a proper draw was. It really wasn't until I, you know, started getting in the military and it wasn't even with the 80, 80 deuce. It was, it was when I got the SF where I finally started learning how to draw and in the principles behind that. So I've done that uh, a lot. And, um, and then with training, uh, you know, teaching concealed carry and teaching other things, I've done that. But really, I think the most important thing that I've done is after learning to draw, it's just repetition after repetition mm-hmm. after re- repetition, dry fire. And one of the things that we try to do, that you know, I try to do is when I leave for the day, I take my pistol, push out, get a good sight picture, bring it back, and then I'll uh, lock the slide to the rear, do an administrative load, then after it's loaded, and drop the slide, push out again, get another sight picture, and then and then holster up. So the, you know the last thing I did with that pistol before it was fully loaded and and I walk out for the day is I got that that dry fire practice and I, I got that good sight picture. Um, and then when I come home from the day, same thing. Once I'm back from from the house, I mean back from from the world and I'm in my home, then again drawing the pistol out, presenting out, and then dropping the magazine, locking it to the rear doing a three-point check, dropping the slide, and then uh, I'll reinsert the, the round, put in a loaded magazine but with an empty chamber, and then, you know, again, I'm just that, that repetition of pushing out, that draw and pushing out, and at least doing it uh, there. Um, if I'm only leaving the house once, then that's just, you know, two repetitions. One of the things that I got from those guys in England was, you know, you're wearing the same thing every day. All right, for men. Yeah, we are. Yeah, I'm a cartoon character. Uh but it is a different fabric. It is a it is enough different. You're not truly a cartoon character. You have to practice every day with whatever it is you're wearing, um, and you have to incorporate that into your training regimen. You know, where in in winter, um, you're going to start wearing heavier clothing, coats, and things like that. You have to practice clearing those coats. And that was one of those things that that, that training really beat home to us. Um, you know, they talked about. You know, over in England, in Ireland, uh, the rain and wearing the wet weather gear mm-hmm. and the different types of the wet weather gear and how it, it would hang up. And, you know, they're again, they're talking about the lessons that people learn by getting killed. So, um, you know, avoiding certain fabrics and things like that. All of that comes out of training and practicing and knowing, hey, this jacket is not going to work. This jacket is inhibiting my draw. And uh, I'll tell you, it's cold outside. I still prefer to be in short sleeves or, you know, like a, a layer one. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't like having that extra outer garment on unless I, you know, have to. Um, I will go with a hoodie over a zip up because I practice that, you know, thumb and lift. Yeah. Um, but it comes from doing it and, you know, g- going and practicing these things 
not just doing it dry fire in front of the mirror, but actually getting out on the range and doing it. Uh, of course, I I attended. Um, they had us do in different garments, different you know suit coats, uh, zip ups, hoodies, and things like that. And they had a individual watching you and coaching you through the different hand techniques of clearing your garments. And that was super valuable to me. I learned so much from that. You know, I know how to shoot. I know how to draw. But do I know that, hey, it's more important to keep my left hand, my support hand, empty because I can drop my right hand. That hand's not doing anything. My left hand needs to be grabbing garments and clearing them out Mm -hmm. of the way so I can get that pistol up. Well, and that's one thing that uh, I've practiced and and still practice is using my support in mm-hmm. my in my case my left hand using that to get the garments out of the way yeah. and clear so i can um grasp my pistol but at the same time then trying techniques where uh i, I can't where it's yeah. just my oh, hand yeah. and i think you were alluding to it you know, with your thumb to, mm-hmm. to, to and get we, out of the way mm-hmm. we do a great thing in uh the principles of concealed carry where we make you carry a baby doll and sing the alphabet uh-huh. and you're, you're, you're walking and chewing bubble gum at the same time and you cannot drop that child, you know? Um, well, you could, but it would be a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, let, let's, let's go on to, we're talking about what we've done. Let's okay. talk about some of our training. Yeah. We have, uh, we teach a couple levels of concealed carry classes. And in the first one, it really is a lot of emphasis on, on the draw, you learning that, you figuring that out, you you building that muscle memory, um, with with different techniques and and like you were talking about, um, your clothing makes makes a huge difference. So you can have a t-shirt, and then also you can have a you know something else on top. So we'll have you draw wearing the t-shirt. We'll have you with a a, a collared or a button shirt, uh, and there's different things that, that you can do to mod that. I know um, you can put small weights at the corners or the edges at the bottom of those shirts. So there's a little bit of weight to it. So as you pull it out and you fling it away, then it that weight will, will carry around so it won't impede your impede your draw. But in those classes, really emphasize the draw. And we teach the draw um, by principle. So we teach it as a four count. You know, at, at count one, you're removing any retention device. You're grasping that pistol. You're also removing any garments that might be out of the way. At two, now the pistol is smoothly... Uh, pulled out of the holster and it's oriented towards a threat so it doesn't have to be a set place it's not necessarily right there on your hip or whatever it's wherever you're carrying so if you're carrying in a purse it's smoothly out of the out of the holster and the person's pointing towards the threat um or the appendix where i usually carry um yeah it's out in me towards a threat and it is going to be on my hip but it doesn't matter where you're actually carrying it's at point two it's smoothly out and it's pointed towards the threat and then at three you know, it's mating up with your, your support hand underneath your chin at chest, and then at four, you're, you're pushing out. So we do that over and over. And then like, then like you alluded to, then we start throwing in some, some different things that to occupy your mind, groceries, uh, carrying a bag, walking, carrying the baby. Um, we also do some uh, shooting from position two. Uh, so you know, up close where you're actually not using your sights, but you're so close to that threat, you shoot from two. Then also we do some shooting at, at position three. But it's a, a good day of of working all those things and people figuring out how, how am I going to work. I remember we had a guy who insisted on carrying an ankle holster. He shot that entire course of fire, um, drop, dropping down to his knee to draw that, that holster. And he did it because he thought at the beginning of the class, hey, this is how I'm going to carry. This is a good thing. 
And he was man enough to do the whole class that way. But afterwards, his conclusion was, I'm not going to carry in an ankle holster. This is this is pretty ridiculous. I've used an ankle holster uh, a handful of times um, out of, I'm going to say, necessity because it, it worked for the situation mm-hmm. um, that, that we were in. Um, and every time I was like, oh, please don't let anything go wrong. This is... And I would practice and practice and practice and be like, this is the bad day. This is a bad <laughs> day. And, you know, I, I like to relate it to, hey, we're, we're learning how to swim. Are you going to put your little floaties on your arms or on your ankles? <laughs> that was, you know, that's what I felt like. Uh-huh. It just was really, really awkward. Yeah. And then, then on our level two, we've got more movement involved. You shoot um, sitting down, shoot with the table. We slide you right up tight to the table so you have to with your draw have to get it up over the table in, in order to shoot um and then we also throw in innocent people um so now you have to control someone a loved one while you're engaging those threats and stuff so we're really just just building you know from the very beginning how do we shoot how do you draw up to now i'm controlling a loved one and moving them to a place of safety while i'm protecting them and going through that that formal um well kind of scripted training allowing you to see what works and doesn't work for you like that individual with the zinc holster yeah he tried through the whole thing and then at the end of the day he's like you know what hey yeah my paradigm has shifted i need <laughs> to go ahead and reevaluate my life and uh you know maybe uh appendix is the way to go yeah i, I really dug him he's a good guy because no. he was man enough to, like i'm gonna stick with this screw everybody i'm gonna do from the, you know, from the ankle. And then he's man enough at the end of the day. Ah, that was nope, dumb. this doesn't work, yeah. <laughs> um, Lessons. So uh, what are some experiences that you guys have had with carrying? Anything unique? I'll, I'll start. So um, can't make this up. So I was uh, 21, had that stupid Taurus, was carrying and had been carrying for, a, you know, a little while, a number of months where it had just become second nature. And I... Like I'd mentioned before, I was working a bunch of, of jobs. I actually had three jobs working at, at, uh, at one time. So I worked my morning job, and then I had the afternoon I was going to go work at the convenience store. So in between, I uh, went out to Park City. I don't even know if the place is there anymore, but uh, some store that sold uh, suits because I needed to buy three suits because I was going to go take a two-year vacation and go uh, go knock doors and stuff. Um, so I, I bought these uh they wanted to buy these three suits. So not thinking, because I was just used to it at this point, I'm carrying uh, my Taurus, carrying it appendix style. So I go in, and I'm looking at these suits. I'm like, okay, what do I want to buy? Then this sweet old gentleman comes over to uh, to get my measurements to, to, to fit me. And that's when it dawned on me, oh, my gosh, I've got this pistol on me. It's, it's on my waist. What do I do? And I, I panicked. I didn't know what to do. So he's measuring my arms. He's measuring the outside of my legs. He goes, measures my inseam. And then he's standing behind me, and he reaches around to get my waist. And, again, I had panicked. I'm like, oh, I don't know what to do. I guess I was embarrassed. So this guy reaches around. And then as he's almost ready to touch the, the measuring tape, that's when his right hand felt the pistol that was in my waist. And I felt him go all stiff. And then the professional that he was, he slowly took the measuring tape and put it behind the gun, around my waist, <laughs> took the measurement, and then, uh, and then you know, he didn't say anything. I didn't say anything. My mom was there, and she realized what was going on, and she was uh, she was horrified. And uh, 
Then when we went to pay, there was a magical 75% discount off of those suits. I never said anything. He never said anything. But uh, I don't know who or what he thought I was, but I got a 75% discount. What we missed from all that was he was actually, uh, you know, in the witness protection program. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, how do I how do I even come close to you know? <laughs> See, I was I was thinking, all right, here was a thought problem. You know, what's a good experience that I've had? Um, it was right after I first started caring. Pam and I were in the grocery store, and there was a uh, a gentleman who was being very irate, like grabbing people's carts and and yelling at people. And I realized that the week before, when I didn't carry a gun. I would have gone up and talked to him about, hey, sir, calm down, you know, knife hand to face, uh-huh. you know, because I'm a big guy. I know how to handle myself. You know, I can, I could have handled that situation. But I also know that, hey, I'm now carrying a firearm. And if that situation does escalate to, um, you know, potential lethal confrontation, I have the means of doing lethal damage. I have a tool that, that could do that. And if I initiated that contact where he is, yes, he is being the disruptive person, um, but he's not really threatening anyone's life. He's not threatening mine. He's not threatening my wife's. Um, so I walked away. I, I stepped down. Uh-huh. And I, I had to have the internal monologue like, did, did I just back away from a fight? And I, you know, I remembered some of the training that I had. You never know. You never know what someone, their mental state, their experience level, their capabilities. So if you do find yourself in a conflict, you have decided, yes, I'm going to do whatever is necessary to resolve this. Um, So part of caring and being responsible was to remove myself from that situation where Hannah escalated to a point that that guy didn't need to be killed right there in the middle of Walmart. Um, but if I had intervened, it could have become that. And so this was a, you know, it was a, a, a big thought problem. I had to go through this and be like, did I do the right thing? You know, week before, gone up and, yeah, if, if the guy had become aggressive, I could have handled it. If he had, you know, level 20 ninjutsu Krav Maga training, uh-huh. he was in the soup aisle. I'd grab a can and start smashing his head, you know, but that would have been that scenario. You know, that reminded me of the very beginning of this conversation where we're talking about a symbol and a fashion accessory, yes, yes. right? And we're, we're, it's the same tool, so it's really not the tool, it's that individual. And that being a symbol, you had a tool and you're very capable. You could have won that fight. Easily. But you, since you could win that fight, you made the conscious decision that I'm not going to participate, I, no, yep. no reason, and, and you went away. Um you can oppose that or, or compare that or contrast that to that individual who doesn't have a clue, like me when I first started carrying. Um, that was just a fashion accessory. They have no skill, no responsibility, no capability of actually utilizing that tool as as it was intended. That's you know the difference really comes down to that person. Who and, are you? And you know it's that that maturity and the training that that I had at that time. If I was twenty one, could have been a completely different yeah. scenario. Jumping right back on training because we got Pam here. We got we got to throw this in mm-hmm. here. Um, Pam, would you share with us? Pam's done a lot of baby showers. Would <laughs> you share with us the training that you can get at a baby shower? 
so one of our friends um young couple very cute little girl very nice young man they're getting around have their first child both of them are responsible both of them carry a firearm to protect themselves and their family and they came over and we had just bought the the laser, laser bullet yes and so we were showing it to them and they were so excited and i was like hey we're gonna turn this into a baby shower game for you and so the game was similar to what you were talking about in training that you can't drop the baby doll so she she had been concealed carrying for ever about a year yeah she had been about a year really yeah. just a year yeah. okay um and so she was like, this is great practice. So we made sure it was the laser bullets that's in our house, of course, and set up the targets and we would yell threat. But the thing was, in one hand, she had groceries. In the other arm, she had our cat. <laughs> <laughs> so real training, real baby, in can't, a way. Can't drop the cat. Can't drop the cat. And the cat was not having the best time so it was hilarious so that was uber training baby shower game all in one <laughs> mm. all right so uh what kind of holsters do you guys like several years ago i came up here and you're like you've got to get one of these and you showed me this lump of kydex that had leather on it and i was like huh well i'm really happy with this uh you know Tier one Aegis flexible sidecar thing. I've got an extra magazine right there. It's very comfortable. Um, and now I find myself with the Viper hybrid, uh, the exact, uh, well, it's the exact, except it's for a Glock 19 uh, holster that you had shown me yeah. like three years ago. Uh, my things that I look for in a holster is it's concealed carry. Uh, it doesn't have to have a secondary retention system, so a zero retention, but it has to be a good one. It has to be some sort of good, um, you know, if I jump up and down, it's not going to fly out of my pants. Um, I have to have trigger protection. I have to know that, you know, I carry concealed appendix. I want to know that my trigger is protected. So Kydex is my go-to material. Um, I'm not really a big fan of leather, I know that it can be comfortable, but it does wear out. I, in the in the pants, I'm not a fan of it. Yeah, I've had some experience with, with leather, leather holsters and brand new. Some of the really stiff ones, they're great. good. They're great. But but once they start getting broken, mm -hmm. once they wear out, then there, there's that give and yeah. yeah. Um, but I'll tell you, Jared was right. This is the holster that I should have gone with. I'm I'm very happy with um, with Viper holsters hybrid. Um, I've got the RMR cut. Um, it appendix carry it's very comfortable i'm not going to say i forget i have it on i'm aware that it's there but it's not an uncomfortable thing at mm -hmm. all uh, we're very easy as men you know well it, it's got kydex it, it protects the trigger you know it's got a clip that holds onto my belt pretty well you know it doesn't fly the holster doesn't come out when i draw i can do a jumping jack i'm happy yeah well, well that's the i use the same the same viper holster the, the Kydex with the leather on the inside, I just use it not on my belt. I use it on my belly band. So I bought the belly band, but I'm still using the Kydex holster. That was one of the things when I was really researching stuff is I didn't want a soft holster. That was important to me. And so I do use the same Kydex. I just wear it not on my belt. I wear it higher up where, you know, it doesn't stick out from my widest part. <laughs> Smart. Well, the, uh, the Kydex, that's... 
that seems to be the best one all around for, for my experience um i like it because it's it's going to form to my pistol as long as you have a decent maker and viper he, he does a very good job joe does a real good job um so it it retains the pistol with tension um i like the kydex then so that if i got to do stuff one-handed i can use it to charge the gun strip out the mags uh, reload all sorts of stuff with that kydex um and just like you said protecting the uh um, the trigger. I also like. Um, I also like it to protect the barrel. That's not a. You don't have to have that, but that's one of the things that I do like. The the exception is, um, like if I'm running a, a threaded barrel on on one of my pistols, so I can throw a can on there. Then you know that'll stick out depending uh, on the holster you get. But I I really I really like it. And the cool thing about the hybrid that Joe makes is it's an all kydex holster so it's not like half and half yes but yes. so it is a kydex holster but then then on the side that's against your body then he adheres that that piece of leather and it's it's just a little <laughs> bit you know, more uh, comfortable wearing that than, than anything else and Joe has the ability to uh, to customize the holster to, to what you have your gun whatever flashlight you have on it or whatever other you know doodads or additions to um, he can you can uh, customize and, it for you. And left-handed, right-handed. Yeah. Does both. Oh yeah. Awesome. Um, any other type of holsters? I, I'll tell you this. I know the um, the Blackhawk Sherpa holster. Not very popular. And, <laughs> and I uh, and I, uh, if you have one, I'd strongly urge you to find something else, um, get something else, you know, different because the potential for an AD is just a little too much there with the placement of that. Uh, the um, retention on it but I have used it and I loved it um, during my last uh, trip with fifth group uh, my last deployment of fifth group because instead of uh, they issued me one for uh, we didn't even have Glocks then a couple guys had Glocks but most of the team still had the M9 um, but I used that thing and I lashed it to the side of my 50 cal so I would have my when I was gunning I have the my bread up <laughs> there next to the 50 cal so if anyone got close I just you know pushed the little button and tack 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 take care of them and and then put it back in the, in the holster. It worked well there, but as far as uh, carrying and using it now uh, for concealed carry, no. Uh, we mentioned um, leather holsters, and one of the reasons why we don't like leather holsters is as it starts to, to uh, wear, then the leather gets loose, and it can get in the way of you reholstering. Mm-hmm. Um, that can be uh, extremely dangerous depending on the type of holster and the type of pistol because if it's getting into the way and you're trying to shove that that pistol in especially under stress then it can find its way into the, the trigger guard and potentially the trigger the same thing with the really soft uh nylon tactical nylon and we've seen that shoot i think one of the worst offenders was one of the um the uh government agency classes that mm-hmm. we did where yeah. every there, there was no uniform holster and some people had some really beat up leather holsters and it was you know kind of kind of scary watching them reholster sometimes and you know it's a good concealed carry holster is not expensive we're not we're not talking about buying like a safari land you know duty holster that's like 200 bucks um there are in in the waistband you know kydex holsters that run 200 bucks mm-hmm. that are good I mean, I, I carried an Aegis um, Tier 1 for or tier one Aegis for a very long time, which is about a $200 holster. Um, it was great. It was no more comfortable than what I'm wearing right now. Yeah. Um, it really, it, it wasn't. It was pretty. It was green, you know. <laughs> um, but Kydex is Kydex. Yeah. You know? Well, along those lines, we all recommend and really like 
Joe Piazza yeah. at Viper Holster. Love his product. But I am sure those of you listening, um, I'm sure you have good local Kydex mm-hmm. uh, holster makers. You Go to them. And Spend your money to those, those That's those one of the things I recommend. If you are not in the Pennsylvania area, find a local guy. Yeah. And reach out to him. Send him an email, um, especially if you've got the, um, you know, obscure pistol, you know, I, I'm that guy that I want to run a, a, a C or no, not C, CZs work with most Glock holsters. Uh, I want to run my, my HK uh, VP nine and I want to have, uh, this random flashlight on it. And if you find that local guy, you can get that custom stuff built. Yeah. There's no excuse not to, you know, Hey, that's the car you want to drive. Get some good tires put on it. And there's nothing wrong with you experimenting and working Kydex yourself. Oh, yeah. Give, I, give that a whirl. I have a Kydex press. Um, I use it mainly for making sheaths. Um, but I've made holsters. Um, you know, it's it's fun. Um, talking about holsters, one of the things that I learned the last time when I took the, the concealed carry class is when I, when I got my shield, which I'm carrying now, I did get uh, two holsters. I got one with a regular clip, and then I got one with, they're called ulti clips. They're kind of like giant, um, like heavy-duty suspender clips. And it's supposed to be where you can wear it without a belt, like on a pair of pants or a structured skirt or whatever. And then I took that to the class and wore it. And in the class, we're learning how to, like, charge the gun on your holster and other stuff, and it completely chewed up my hands. Uh, so that's that was another thing is that, I had both because I was like, I want to be able to wear it with a skirt um, or without a belt. And uh, through that experience, learning that that, and then looking at it again, it would probably wear holes in whatever shirt I was wearing just because it was, it wasn't as smooth and, you know, would rub. But I really, I chewed up my hands pretty bad on that, that thing during that class. Cardboard and duct tape do not make a good holster. (laughs) I know we've talked about it, but just got to throw that out there. Arts and crafts, yeah. you know. Do you, you want to know or, or a wire hanger and duct tape. <laughs> I was going to say that. I, 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 whoa. I haven't mentioned that, but I, I did try that. Uh, <laughs> have you seen that technique? I have seen that yeah, technique. Yeah, yeah. The, the wire hanger. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, not so good. Not so good. <laughs> um, so in a car, uh, how do you carry or where do you carry in a car? Uh, I'll, I'll say this. Um, most of the time when I'm carrying a car, I'm just carrying appendix. I'm going to sit down and, and, and no problem. Um, there have been sometimes long car rides where it gets uncomfortable. Um, so the, what do you do? Uh, a problem and one that a thing that has happened in, uh, in the past um, with different shootouts and different uh, accounts and stuff is people who, hey, I'm, I'm, I know this is going to happen. So they draw out their gun and they sit it down next to them and they stick it in between their, their couch. And then all of a sudden the car comes to a sudden stop, they hit something, whatever. And then that pistol will go, go flying. So, um, one thing that, uh, that we have done in some of our vehicles in the past is we had a nice universal holster that was attached to the, the driver's seat. So if it was uncomfortable and, you know, or for a long drive, just take the holster. I mean, not the holster, but take the pistol out of our, uh, you know, where we were carrying and then go ahead and put it in, in the car holster. And that, you know, that works great. Um, so that's something that we've done. I just carry on my body. I, you know, I used to drive up here from Tennessee and I was, you know, nine, sometimes 12 hours, uh-huh. sometimes longer. 
uh, all depending on weather and traffic. And, uh, you know, I'm stopping every two or three hours anyways. Yeah. And that was, that was enough for me that I would really didn't get too terribly annoying. Um, a lot of it I find is when you sit down, you know, grab your holster, grab your belt, pull it up a little bit, make sure it's in a mm-hmm. comfortable position beforehand. Uh, Pam, you were in a really bad car accident and, uh, I know that that taught us both a good lesson about having things loose in the car. Oh, yeah. Everything went flying. We couldn't find my wallet. We couldn't find, I think my daughter's shoe went flying. Glasses went flying. So if you're going to have it attached to the car, make sure it's really attached. Yeah. So that experience is, you know, you see the products online, like the, the magnets and mm-hmm. things like that. And yeah, I'm not going to do it. Um, maybe a holster, um, but I'm forgetful, and I can imagine stopping for gas and being in the gas station, <laughs> like, ah, oh, schmeg. Uh-huh. Oh, I left the gun in the holster, and, you know. Um, well, let me say this. Um, it's important. Um, if you're carrying, and you're carrying appendix, like like you ought to, you know, like, like we do, um, <laughs> when you sit down, and then you buckle yourself in, what you want to do is you want to take your shirt mm-hmm. and make sure you, because your shirt now is underneath the seatbelt. So if you need to grab that pistol in a hurry with that seatbelt and your shirt, now that that a pistol is, uh, it's locked in, it's inaccessible. So after you buckle yourself in, take your shirt and pull it out from underneath the seatbelt and rest it over top of the seatbelt. And then if you need it while you're in your car, it's easy. Now you're just like your normal draw. Now you're, you're pulling the shirt out of the way and you have easy access to your pistol. But Again, if not, and that seatbelt's trapping your your shirt, then you're out of luck. A fun relationship-building exercise to do, and Pam and I have done this, is uh, go ahead and have your spouse draw from your holster while you're carrying uh, appendix. Oh, because, because, because you're driving. driver uh-huh. has the responsibility <laughs> uh-huh. to drive. Um, we do it with a blue gun. Oh, okay. Um, you That's know, good. I, I trust Pam, but, you know. <laughs> but safety first. Safety first. Yes. Uh, well, you know, it's... We were in the cul-de-sac, and we didn't want the neighbors yeah. know, freaking out. Exactly. Um, but that's something to think about. When you're driving, you are already equipped with a very uh, lethal uh, tool, that, mm-hmm. that car. And your responsibility, you need to think about that. Uh, take the Las Vegas um, police officer. who There's that video of him shooting at the gangbangers in the, the big black uh Black Expedition. Yeah. And, you know, everyone's tearing him apart. And one, he had no training. The guy was a tourist enforcement officer for like 20 years. He walked up and down the strip saying, "Um, ma'am, I think you've had too much to drink. Please put your top back on. You know, (laughs) he was just, he just happened to be the nearest responding officer. um, And he was trying to shoot and control that vehicle. His rounds were going all over the place. He wasn't able to control the vehicle. He had to make that decision. I've got to do one or the other. Yeah. And uh, you got to think about that and be aware of that. When you have that other person in the vehicle with you, make sure they're trained. Fun conversations. <laughs> uh, another thing with vehicles, um, since we're broadcasting out of uh, the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, uh, it's against the law, even if you have a carry permit, to have that loaded rifle uh, because you could be poaching. Uh, so that's how the law reads. But if you have a pistol, an AR pistol, you got a concealed carry permit, you're just fine with that. Or if you have a an SBR, 
same thing, you're just fine. But if you actually have a quote-unquote legal rifle that's loaded, yeah, that, that's, that's no good. So since I do have an AR pistol, there have been a couple of times when uh, the cir- circumstances, uh, I thought, you know, it made sense to, to actually have that and, and carry that. that the, there are some times that a, a hand axe is not going to cut down that tree, and you need something bigger. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that, that's on you guys. You, you need to make that, that assessment. From my experience of carrying a, a full-sized, you know, M4 with suppressor and all the bells and whistles mm-hmm. on it, um, in our military vehicles, we have tie-down points for a reason. Um, I always carried, whether I was driving or, or what, I always carried with it slung across my body. And in that point, you know, I'm in that, that situation that it justifies me having that weapon system. I've seen guys get hit by IEDs. I've been hit by IEDs where things weren't secured and weapons went flying, you know, and we talked about it with the pistol. Um, if you've just got that, that loose rifle, just, yeah. just sitting in there, think about that. One of the things I like with, with that pistol, the AR pistol is I love the law tactical folder. Oh, yeah. And you know, that, so that is on my pistol. It's, it's not for all my ARs, it's not for all my rifles, nope. but for some select ones, like that, or like when I need you know to carry that, um, yeah, I really, really uh, like that. It's a good product. Uh, you know, I'm a fan of because I am going to go into the gas station and things like that. Um, having it in a bag, having it in, in something that you know I can grab that bag that I can secure inside the vehicle very easily. Mm-hmm. Um, that if yeah, I'm walking into the uh, the mini mart, I can grab the messenger bag and sling it over me and. You know, who cares what I look like? Well, it's been fun. And with this, this conversation, and we've only talked about really pistols. We haven't really gotten into ADC or, or any of the other stuff that we regularly carry on us. We didn't even get into... Yeah. Carrying ma- a spare magazine. Exactly. Yeah. Carry and, a spare magazine. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so we, we can talk about that uh, later. So we will definitely be rehashing this. And thing with concealed carry, it's, for me, my concealed carry and how I actually do it, um, it's it's always improving. It's always uh, I'll say evolving. Not violating any principles, but techniques and the ways and, and the tools I might use they might change. Uh, both Chris and I we have um, he's got twenty. I almost have twenty year, years in the military, and I guarantee you that just like me, uh, Chris, uh, our kit is always evolving. It's always changing. I'm, I'm changing mag pouches. So this topic and you know this subject it should be the same with you. Figure it out, see what works for you, and then just keep keep working with it. And I guarantee that you're going to evolve. You're going to get a different pistol. You're going to move to a different holster. You're going to adjust things as and making it more effective and efficient for you. If you find yourself sitting here saying, well, I've carried the same Makarov for the past uh, 32 years, this this was for you. Okay? <laughs> uh, this message was for you. Think about that pistol. Yeah, you carried that for 32 years. 28 years ago, that pistol was still viable. 27 years ago, better stuff came on the market. Um, tomorrow, something might get released that we're like, Glock 19, Schmock 19, I want that. Yeah. Um, and then it's, darling, can I afford that? Uh, <laughs> no, the answer is always no. <laughs> uh, so I get a birthday present. Um, and, you know, you, you can't be married to, you know, a particular thing. I'm a big no stickers guy. Don't laugh at my laptop that has stickers all over it. But, uh, you know, you don't become a fanboy of 
you know, well, I'm, I'm a Smith and Wesson and I'm always a Smith and Wesson until you're a Glock guy. And then, you know, two years from now, I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm SIG because you can't be a fanboy. You have to recognize these things as tools. They're not, it's not your favorite football team. All right. It, it is a, a life-saving device. And you need to treat it accordingly. When the next best life-saving device comes out. That's the one you need. That's the one you need. Yep. Absolutely. Well, thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Lodestone Training and Consulting Podcast. It's been a privilege. It's been a fun time talking to you. And uh, we'll get you next time. A gun is a tool, Miriam. No better, no worse than any other tool. An axe, a shovel, or anything. 